Welcome to this week's podcast from Tim Hall International Ministries. To find out more about what Pastor Tim and Jackie Hall are doing around the world, check out timhall.com.au. Our prayer is that you will be blessed and empowered as you listen to this message. Father, thank you. In Jesus' name. One of the things about the Bible that gets confusing is chapters and verse. When you study the book of Ephesians, don't stop and read one chapter. Read the whole book. Because chapter 1 just goes straight into chapter 2. And the problem is that we, st- we think, oh, that's the finish of that. That's the start of something new. No, it's a letter that just keeps rolling. And so if we come to the end of it, it reads like this. That he's, that he's raised Jesus far above, verse 21. All principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that one which is to come. And he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head of all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all and in all. It's just talked about the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead by a mighty act of power. Then it goes straight and it says, and you. And we have in... uh, well, it's not actually in the original text, but you have to quicken. You'll find that in verse 5. Who were dead in trespass and sin by the same power that physically raised Jesus from the dead, you've been raised spiritually by the same power. He was raised physically where he was word made flesh. We're flesh being quickened and made word. And Scripture says this, in times past, you work, walked according to the power of the air, etc., etc. Verse 3 said, you had your conversation with the lusts of the flesh, desires of the flesh, and you were by nature children of wrath. Verse 4, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, now listen to this, he has quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. Verse 5, Even when we were dead in sin, he quickened us to life. Not just to life, but he quickened us together with him. What does that mean? When you came to Christ, you were quickened with the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. You became one with him. You're joined to Christ. It's not just Christ within you. You are joined to him. You are now one spirit with him. Then it goes on. It says this, he quickened us together. And then verse 6 says, he raised us up together. This gospel lifts us to a new place. It lifts us to a place where no longer are we just looking at circumstances, but we're now being lifted into a place where we start to see life as he sees it. We start to see from a different viewpoint. We start to see differently to how the world sees. We begin to see in a whole new supernatural way. That goes further, and it says this, and I love this. Firstly, we've been quickened and joined together with him. Then we've been raised up together with him. To where? To sit together. Oh, that's incredible. What does that mean? He's quickened us together. He's raised us together, and he's seated us together. What do I do with that? If we're seated with him, 
Where is he seated? At the right hand of the Father in heavenly places. My Bible says I've got bold access into the throne, into the throne room by the blood of Christ. That means I have access. Spiritually, I'm joined with him. I'm one spirit with him. So spiritually, I'm seated with him in the place of universal dominion. In the place where the Father turned to the Son and said, let's make a universe. Let us make man. My Bible says, him that overcomes, will I make to sit down with me as I overcame and sat down with my Father on his throne. What does that mean? That means that God wants me to live from a different place. He doesn't want me to struggle to try to get to some place. He wants me to start to live from the place where I now am. It's not a striving to get to some place. It's a striving. That's even the wrong word. It's a challenge to live from the place where we now are. What makes the great men and women of history do the thing? <laughs> great. <laughs> what makes the great men and women of history do the things that they've done? They've learnt to live from another place. In 1 Kings 17, Elijah walked onto the pages of Scripture. He came from nowhere. Elijah the Tishbite, one of the inhabitants of Gilead, probably a sheep farmer, probably a very a man brought up quite simply, little education, but that man touched something. And the Bible said suddenly he stepped onto the pages like a tornado, he came into the pages of Scripture and stood before King Ahab and said, King Ahab, the God before whom I stand has sent me. And there's going to be no wind and no rain except at my word. Who was he? Elijah was a man who'd learnt to spend time in the throne room in the place of universal dominion. When I go into prayer, and I don't know where you're at, where others are, but when I spend time in the presence of God, there's an understanding that it's not a struggling individual, a worm of a man struggling to somehow twist God's arm for something. But we are joint heirs with Christ. Joint heirs with him by whom the world was created and for whom. And we have bold access to go into the presence of God, into the throne room, and cry out, Abba Father, which is Daddy. I think the people that make great marks for God are the people who've learnt to live from the throne room. They've learnt to spend time in prayer, going into the throne room with God, and staying there until they come out with something of God burning in their spirit that is so powerful and so tangible. My favourite thing in the world, about 300 miles from my home, there's a, a place called the Flinders Ranges in South Australia, and it's 
the most beautiful, it's sort of like the Drakensberg, it's just magnificent, rugged range. And ever since the early days of being saved, I've gone out there, stayed out there sometimes 20, 30 days, just fasting and praying and with the name God, I don't just want to pray. I want to come out here into the throne room. I want to step out. I want to live from another dimension of authority. God, I want to operate out of a different realm. I want to operate out of a realm where I have firstly transacted business in the place of universal dominion with the King of Glory. I want to come out of that place carrying the lightning fires. <laughs> the power of God. I want to come out of there with a word of dominion, authority. Carrying something that will break open a nation. This book is an invitation into a place with God beyond anything we've dreamed. What caused the John G. Lakes of this world to stand up and pray, let the lightning fires of God flash, great tumors vanish? A man came into one of John G. Lake's meetings with a massive typhoid sore on his body. And John G. Lake, the man lifted up his shirt and he was this horrendous, horrendous, ugly thing. And John G. Lake put his hand on it and said, in the name of Jesus, let the lightning fires of heaven flash and burn it out of his body. And the thing vanished. Two days later, they contacted him and said, John, something's happened, we can't explain. That thing vanished but we can't explain a burn mark the same shape as your hand, a quarter of an inch deep, right where you put your hand. God's inviting people not just to prayer. He's inviting them to transact spiritual business in the place of universal dominion. To come into the throne room, to transact business with God, to get lost in that place, weeping, sobbing in the presence of God. My Bible tells me the throne room is a place of fire and lightning, a place where liquid fire flows out from under the throne. If I spend time in the throne room with him who burns with a blazing fire, whose eyes are shining like bronze in a furnace, and the lightnings of God flash and the liquid fire of God flows and I spend time in there, I'll come out of there carrying something. In ministry, we can only take people where we've gone and give them what we've got. You have the quickened who were dead in trespass and sin. This thing just gets so strong. In chapter 3, and I'm just going to jump over there to chapter 3. 
Spend a couple of minutes in chapter 3. In chapter 3, Paul is talking about a mystery. Do you know in the Old Testament, they had no idea about this mysterious thing called the church? No idea. The church is a mystery. It's been hidden from generation to generation. It's been hidden. Paul said, this is the mystery. He said, it's a mystery that's been for so long. And he said, here it is, verse 5, which in other ages was not known, not made known under the sons of men, but is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles, that's you and I, might be fellow heirs and the same body and partakers of his promise, wherein he says, I was make a minister. Now listen to this, verse 9. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Listen to this. To the intent that now unto principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known or revealed by the church the manifold wisdom of God. What does that mean? God says... I'm going to do something through the church so powerful that the principalities of heaven and I think the principalities of hell are going to gaze at the church beginning to understand the wisdom of God through the manifestation of the power and the life and the supernatural of God that's flowing out of us. Lots of Christians want to see angels. I'll tell you something. I had a visitation of an angel when I was 15. Stood over me at 15. Frightened the life out of me. It was as high as this roof. When I was 15, I go to that place and pray. That's up in the mountains. I was a 15-year-old boy. I think that's the only angel I've ever seen. I've sensed them. You say, do you want to see angels? I have people that want to see angels. Oh, there's an angel there. I saw an angel there. Big deal. The angels are watching you and I. You know what the mystery is? It's not angels or manifest beings in chariots flying around. You know what the mystery is? The mystery to the world is the Christ of eternal glory coming not just to indwell us but to flow out of us and move through us in the same power that he moved on this planet. That's the mystery. The Bible says, you shall receive dunamis, divine power, in Acts 1.8, after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. To bear witness of me. What does that mean? To be witnesses of me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. What does it mean? Ephesians 4.33, sorry, uh, Acts 4.33 says this. With great demonstrated power, dunamis, the apostles, by act of power, bore witness to everyone around that Jesus was alive from the dead. Why? Because exactly the same stuff was happening through them that happened through Jesus. I love Ephesians 3. Paul prays again. Let's have a look at this prayer. The end of this prayer, we'll stop, have a break, and then we'll get right into the last chapter. You're with me? We're going to move quick. Verse 14. And all I'm doing is scanning this book. How many feel like you want to go home and study this? Is it when it, If I can whet your appetite tonight, if I can just whet your appetite to go and chew this and eat it and memorize it, then we've succeeded. 
Here it says this. Verse 14 says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 15, Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, that's you, that's me, put your own name there, out of the riches of the weight of his copious splendor, to be strengthened. That word strengthened is that word again, kratos. That word kratos is to be supernaturally empowered with an explosive, dynamic manifestation of power. Strengthened with might. Again, I think the word there is dunamis. Supernaturally filled and double empowered by his spirit in the inner man. And then he says that Christ himself may come and dwell in your heart by faith. What a thought that the eternal creator of the universe would come and indwell a speck like us in a most intimate way. And that a little speck on the earth, you and I, a tiny speck, are being filled with God, God's own presence and power. What is man? What is man? The Bible says that thou art mindful of him. Who are we? And yet God so loves you and I that Jesus died for us and then came and joined himself with us and became one spirit with us and began to manifest through our lives and he said, you're joint heirs with me of everything. And then it says this, that Jesus may, Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend and just have an understanding with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height of God. He says, I want you to have a revelation of the bigness of God. And then he says this, and to know intimately the love of Christ that passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Surely not. He's praying for you. And this is what he says. He says, I want to give you a revelation. He said, I want to give you a revelation of the size and the scope and the length and the breadth and the height and the depth. It's interesting that he talks in four dimensions. But that's another thing. He says, I want you to know the height and length and breadth and depth. He said, I want to reveal it to you. I want you to become totally aware of the very bigness of my being. And then he says, I want to give you a revelation of the love that I have for you that is so boundless that it is beyond understanding. And then he says, you know what I want to do in your life? I want to fill you with all the fullness of God himself. I love what it says in the Amplified. The Amplified Bible says that you might become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. That you might become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself until everywhere you go, the fullness of God flows out of you. Every day when I get up, every day, I want the fullness of God to flood to some people somewhere. I don't just want to get around and preach a nice message. I want the fullness of God to Flood, fill, and empower. 
till it oozes out of every cell of our being, till our words, instead of just being words that resonate the ears, become like John 6, 63, where Jesus said, the word that I speak, it's spirit. It's spirit. It anchors. Spirit and life. You all happy? Okay. It's not too heavy. What an incredible situation that we listen to this. Listen to this. Have just get an idea now where this is going. He says that you might be filled with the overflowing fullness of God. Amplified that you might be a body wholly filled and flooded with God Himself. And then he says this. As a result. Now, as a result, unto him, and Paul's writing, unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything that you could ask, think, or imagine. Let's look at this. Paul's excited. Paul's writing. He said, I'm going to tell you how big God is. I'm going to try to tell you how big he is. I'm going to tell you how great he is. He says, now, as a result of what I've just been telling you, unto him who is able, he's able. He's able to do exceedingly. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond. And he starts, he starts taking Greek words and putting them together one after another until it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. I'll look at that in a moment. He says, now under him is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything that you can ask, desire, think dream or imagine because of the power that's at work within you. I mean, look at that in the Greek language. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, it is hupa ek perisos hupa, which literally means he is able to superabundantly surpass all superabundance of anything you can ask, think, Dream, or I'm preaching, I'm in a preaching mood now. Or imagine. Why? According to the mighty supernatural power that's at work within you right now. Under him be glory, says Paul. Could you imagine sitting for two years listening to Paul open this? Two years. Receiving all the revelation that Paul received in the 14 years he was away and the years he spent out in the desert. No wonder they got up and they went out and opened cities. Chapter 4 says this, listen to this, listen to this. We really move now into, we've gone from doctrine, we're now getting into duty. And he'll give you a whole list, and I'm not going to get into it, but you can read it in your own time. He talks about what to do, how to be followers of God, how to treat your family, how to treat your friends, how to operate, how to deal with leadership, who he's put into place, how to walk with them. It's just practical, practical stuff, very practical. But listen, I love this, he says this. 
in uh, chapter 4, he writes this. He says, He that ascended, verse 10, is the same, he that descended is the same that ascended up far, uh, far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles. I'll tell you who's an apostle. Pastor Art Bossoff's a true apostle. Some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. What for? For the perfecting of the saints. For the bringing of the saints into a place of fullness. What's Pastor Art's role? What's my role tonight? My role is to come and give you something that's going to help bring you to the perfection of what God wants to do in your life. When Pastor Clive preaches here, he's going to come in and share stuff with an aim to bring you to a place of completion and perfection in Christ. God doesn't want you to stay just a pew-sitting Christian that's just getting filled with the Word. He wants to bring you to a place where your whole call and purpose is brought to fulfillment. But listen to this. It's almost, it almost gets to a place where it's more than you can cope with. He says he's given us apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers and evangelists for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. Do you know, Sunday night we had a harvest of souls. It was a big harvest. You know why there was a harvest of souls? It was an evangelist gift. But if the saints hadn't been doing the work of the ministry, bringing their friends and bringing people in, I mean, no one's saved. But it was a team job. People had gone out to their friends, shared with them, encouraged them, brought them in. Some of them had been probably led to Christ, but they responded publicly. And here was a situation with an evangelistic gift which wouldn't operate unless the saints had been at work. And our role is to motivate people. This church is motivated with evangelists. For the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body. This verse is almost too much. Till we all, someone say we all, come to the knowledge of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. This is too much. Till we all come. <coughs> Surely this is too much. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect, complete man, unto the measure, character, obedience, enabling, miraculous anointing, etc., of the stature of the overflowing fullness of Christ himself. Take that home in your own time and chew on that verse for a while. Get your Strong's Concordance out and look up the, the Greek words and chew on that for a while until it makes your head spin. That'll tell you where God's taking you. My Bible says now in the New Testament the veil's been taken off so we've got free access to gaze into the presence of God. And it says in Corinthians, as we gaze with unveiled face, unveiled into, like, as in a mirror into the things of God, we are changed. And the word change is the Greek word metamorpho, which literally is like a grub to a butterfly. We are dramatically changed from glory to glory to glory 
to the image of Christ himself. Are we all going to be Jesus? No, we're going to be us manifesting the fullness of Jesus to a dying world. Hallelujah. Power of God's here right now. I feel the presence of God. I feel the presence of God. I feel that anointing. Sense it. Just in this last minute or so, lift your hands. Just lift your hands to God.